been a great week. Last Sunday evening to see Brother Mitchell Farrell obey the gospel. What a wonderful privilege that was. And then to welcome the Weddington family into the congregation here at Bobby Branch. We are a blessed people. This morning, we're going to continue in a series of lessons that began last Sunday for the month of March with the theme, Lord, Save Me. The Apostle Peter began to walk to the Lord on the water. As he saw the waves boisterous around him, he began to sink, and with the words of desperation, he said, Lord, save me. The Lord reached down, took Peter by the hand, and raised him up. Folks, that's really what we're talking about. We're talking about people who recognize our need, our desperation, who look to the Lord and ask for salvation, and with the Lord's outstretched hand, ready to take us into a place of safety. This morning we're going to talk about faith as we think about serving God. As we begin, believing requires that one must have confidence in the speaker. Today, if a politician were to get on the news media, whether the radio, the television, and say, this is the way things are, do you know what most of us would think? I don't know if they're telling me the truth or not. We've learned not to trust people who have sometimes ulterior motives. On the other hand, there's some of you here. If you were to tell me something that were to be remarkable, dramatic, I would believe it because of who you are and because of your character. For just a moment, I'd like for you to explore with me a few passages of Scripture. If you want to turn with me to the Old Testament book of Exodus, I'd like to look for just a few moments at a few verses from Exodus chapter 4. To give you some kind of idea, God had chosen Moses to lead his people out of that Egyptian bondage. And he had told Moses, you're going to have to go to my people and you're going to have to tell them that you are the one that I have chosen, as well as to go to Pharaoh. She began with verse 1. Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me, or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. Now folks, for just a moment, think about what Moses said. Someone comes to you today and says, The Lord spoke to me last night and He told me this or that. You know what most of us would say? Yeah, right. We wouldn't believe Him. And if you drop down and look at verse 5, God is going to provide evidence that they may believe that the Lord their God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. God said, I'm going to give you proof. Verse 8, then it will be that if they do not believe you nor heed the message of the first sign, they will believe the message of the second sign. You see, God wanted there to be evidence to substantiate 
Moses could be trusted. Moses could be believed. If you'll go with me to Genesis chapter 45 for just a moment. Most of you are well aware of the events that occurred in the book of Genesis with regards to the life of Jacob and his 12 sons. One of the saddest things occurred is when the brothers of Joseph sold him into captivity. And after that happened, we all know about Joseph going down to Egypt, arising to the point where he became governor only under Pharaoh. And I want you to look with me at chapter 45, verse 26. And they told him, saying, Joseph is still alive. And he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart stood still because he did not believe them. Now I want you to imagine, here's Jacob, an old man. His sons have grown and he has believed for many, many years that his son Joseph, his favorite son, was dead. In fact, it was these brothers who brought a coat that they had themselves dipped in blood and left the impression with their father Jacob that he was dead. And now they're coming into saying, he's alive and he's the governor. And he said, I don't believe that. Too wonderful of a message. All oh, that he were still alive. The truth is he was. If you go with me now to Numbers chapter 14 and verse 11. God is speaking to Moses. Looking at the way the children of Israel have reacted to God's message. The Lord said to Moses, How long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me with all the signs which I have performed among them? You see, it was the case that God had provided them more than substantial proof to say that he was going to take care of them, but they continued to reject him. Well, I've said all of that to bring us to this point. It's really all about believing in Jesus, that he's the Christ, that he is the Son of the living God. When John wrote his general epistle, 1 John chapter 5, verse 10, he said, He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe in God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. John said, If you reject Jesus, you're rejecting God the Father who has given you this evidence. That's the reason why John 14, verse 1, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. With that in mind, this morning, what I want us to do for a few minutes is to focus on faith. I will tell you that at the beginning, my first thoughts was, go back and pull out one of those old outlines that you've got on faith. And polish it up again. And I will tell you, I have a very difficult thing to use an old sermon. I always have to seemingly start new. 
So I pulled all of the passages in the New Testament, every one that uses the word believe, faith, trust. And what you find out there are hundreds of verses that address it. But there are four major sections in the Bible where there were things that, in my mind, needed to be a part of a lesson such as this. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at faith revealed in the gospel accounts. Very short section with regards to that. Then we want to look at faith in the book of Acts. Very briefly, faith in the book of Hebrews and then the book of James. Now that's going to require that we move swiftly. We have not chosen all the passages in either any of these sections, but enough representative for you to get the idea. Let's take our Bibles together and begin, first of all, with the focus in Matthew through John. I want you to turn with me to Matthew 15, verses 21 through 28. Matthew 15, 21 through 28. While you're turning there, there's a Canaanite woman. When you say Canaanite, that means she's not Jewish. She's not an Israelite. She has come to the Lord and she has a demon-possessed daughter. And she is interested in the Lord helping her. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. Now skipping a little bit. He answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Now, here's the reason why I chose that. Just like with Peter, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Lord, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the rich man's table or from the master's table. And then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Let me tell you why I chose this. Here's a woman who's not a Jew. Here's a woman who sees that the Lord has the ability. She trusts in Him. She has faith in Him. She has confidence in Him. Contrary to what many of his own countrymen did. i got to believe that there's some people in this world who see Jesus as He really is. They may not have the background that you and I have, but they believe. Second passage, Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, the Great Commission. Here's what Jesus instructed the apostles and, by extension, us to do. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. It's to the whole world that this message is sent. Every creature. 
That's each and every man, woman, boy, girl, throughout this whole planet. God wants everyone to hear the same message. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. I didn't write that. The Lord did. You don't believe, you're going to be condemned. As you go further, I want you to notice with me John chapter 1 and verse 12. I have a lot of my religious friends who will tell you to say the sinner's prayer. They will tell you that once you believe, you are saved. And that's all that is sufficient. Here's what Jesus said. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. You see, if you do not believe, you don't have the right to become a child of God. But if you do believe, you have the right to become a child of God. You're not one yet, but but that's a necessary step. In John chapter 3, we're going to look at verse 12 and then verses 14 through 18. You see, Jesus is trying to get them to understand who he is and to trust him about what he's discussing. And he said in verse 12, If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Verse 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he does not believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Folks, here's as simple as I can put it. Jesus himself said, it's either you believe or you do not believe. Either you will be given unto eternal life or you will be condemned already. One of the responses that I get from people when I talk to them about other matters of obedience to become a child of God is that, oh, you believe in a works salvation. In fact, I had a discussion a few weeks ago with a man who believed that if we taught that you had to be baptized, that you were teaching a salvation by works. And I said, oh, no, 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 we don't. We believe you have to do what God said. Oh, but you believe a work then. And I pointed out to them that faith is is itself a work of obedience. In John chapter 6, verses 28 and 29, they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. Folks, that's pretty plain. The work of God, which is not a work of merit, but a work of obedience, is that a man must believe that Jesus is the Christ. 
So turn with me now to John chapter 8, verse 24, and then we'll look at verses 31 and 32. In verse 24, Jesus is at the feast in Jerusalem. And therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Dropping down to verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Jesus is trying to explain how essential it is to believe in him. In John 11, Lazarus has died. Jesus has arrived at Bethany. Mary and Martha are going out to meet the Lord, and the Lord responds by saying to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me... Though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Boy, what a question. Do you believe that? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Jesus is saying, do you believe that I'm talking to you about eternal life? And she says, I believe you're the Son of God, which is one and the same. If you believe Him, you believe what He says. In John chapter 12, verse 42, we see a faith that fails. It fails. Nevertheless, even among the rulers... Many believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Let me tell you what's going on here today, just like there was in the first century. There's some people mentally saying their mind, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But they're so afraid of their fellow man, they won't do it. just like these people did. And finally, from the Gospel accounts, John 20, verses 30 and 31. John says, And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. I pointed out at the beginning when talking about Moses. Either you believed Moses, you trusted what he said, or you did not. And God provided proof. God has provided proof that Jesus is the Christ. Now, with that in mind, let's move, if you will, for just a few moments to the book of Acts. Because the, books of, the book of Acts reveals faith and action in conversion. How does it affect who I am and who I become? Let's go to chapter 4, verse 4 for just a moment. Acts 4, verse 4. However, many of those who heard the word 
believed. And the number of the men came to be about 5,000. They heard the word and they believed. Do you know what you find in the connection of teaching and faith in the New Testament? Exactly what Paul put very simply in Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Or if you simplify it, faith comes by hearing the word of God. That's exactly what Luke said they did in Acts 4, verse 4. They heard the word they believed. Go to Acts 8. Look at verses 12 and 13. Philip goes down to Samaria. But when they believed Philip, as he preached things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, continued with Philip, and was amazed seeing the miracles and the signs which were done. You have preaching, and then you have people believing. The faith is not, in this case, in the preacher who is Philip. The faith is in Jesus as the Son of God. That's the reason why they were baptized. Chapter 8. Later on in that chapter, Philip meets a eunuch from Ethiopia. And Philip teaches him. As they are traveling along, the eunuch said, Here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Here's the way Philip responds. Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. You see preaching, you see faith, you see the call to say, I want to be baptized. Well, why? before you're baptized, you've got to be able to know that that person believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that eunuch confessed that. Acts 10, verses 42 and 43. On this occasion, Peter has been called for. He's gone to the house of Cornelius, a Gentile man. He is a centurion of the Italian regiment. And Peter arrives at his house, and all the family are gathered, gathered, and they're ready to listen to what Peter's going to say. And Peter commanded, said, he commanded us to preach to the people, to testify that it is he who is ordained or was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets give witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will have remission of sins. Whoever believes in him. Cornelius, you and your family need to know you're Gentiles, but still in every nation, what God expects is people to believe in his name. Acts chapter 15, verse 7. And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Folks, let me keep stressing a point. 
You've got the message being preached, and then you've got people believing. That's what we're trying to do here this morning, is to say Jesus is worthy of our confidence, our trust, and our belief. In Acts 16, Paul and Silas have been thrown into a Philippi jail, Philippian jail. The jailer that was charged with keeping them was rousted up by the number of prisoner doors that were opening. And Paul and Silas are inside. They've been singing praises to God about midnight, according to verse 25. If you drop down to verse 30, And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. You've got to believe in Jesus. That's where the preachers, apostles, great men of the New Testament were focusing their message. Believe on Jesus. Believe on Jesus. And you can be saved. Acts 18, verse 8. You'll see there that in Corinth, Paul says, Then Crispus, or Luke records, Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all of his household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing believed and were baptized. One more illustration from the book of Acts. Acts 24, verses 24 and 25. After some days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was a Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning faith in Christ. Faith in Christ. As he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Paul's message was about faith in Christ. Now, I have two more points. These will be much quicker, if you will, because I want to build to a crescendo. As you come to the book of Hebrews... The book of Hebrews has as its point to contrast the Old Testament belief that the Israelites had with what we who are under the New Covenant must have. As you come to chapter 4, he's going to use an illustration. They had the rest in the promised land. And here's what he said to them. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering into his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as unto them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard. Folks, now here's the, here's the kicker. They had a message of deliverance promised to them. You and I have a message of deliverance promised to them. It didn't help them because there was no faith mixed with it. Guess what? If there's no faith mixed with us and what we're doing, then it will not profit us either. And he said that they will not enter into my rest, those people who did not believe. If you'll go with me now to chapter 6, you'll see in verse 1 that this is some of the most basic of the teachings 
He said, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, faith toward God. Basic thoughts. Now, when you get to verse 12, he says, therefore, you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who faith and patience inherit the promises. Here's the message of the book of Hebrews. You people who say you believe, keep on believing. Then you come to chapter 10. The introductory words to chapter 11. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we're not those who draw back into perdition, but those who believe, now notice this last phrase, to the saving of the soul. That introduces Hebrews chapter 11. And oh, there's a whole series of sermons from chapter 11. Micah read verses 1 through 6 about faith being the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 6, without faith it is impossible to please him. Verse 8, he talks about Abraham when he was called to go out to a place that he would have to receive for an inheritance. Went out not knowing where he was going. Chapter 11, verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and assured of them, embraced and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. You have promises made that are yet in the future. Do you believe those? And just like the people of Jericho, you march around the city and then the walls fall. God calls you to believe on Him. You obey Him and then you get the blessings that fall from it. Now finally, one last section from the book of James. James chapter 2, beginning with verse 14, going through verse 26. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to him, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but do not give them the things needed for the body, what does it profit Thus faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith working together with works and that by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God and it was recounted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, Rahab the harlot also was justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. For as a body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Folks, here's the, here's the thing that he asked. Can that faith save him? And the reason why I inserted the word that is because there's a definite article in the original language. That specific faith 
Can that one save him, one that does not have works? And the answer is no, it can't. If you believe in God and you don't respond, folks, that faith can't save you. It's that simple. Real faith responds. And faith must be in Jesus. Faith must be active and obedient. And faith is how one gets to be a child of God. Galatians 3, 26 through 29. And Romans chapter 5, 1 and 2. I've got both of those verses up there. But let's talk about now what's going to take place. It's characteristic at the end of each of the sermons we extend the Lord's invitation and that we sing a song of encouragement with a desire that those people who want to will respond. If you want to respond to become a Christian this morning, I can tell you there's nothing more important than we stop everything else that we're doing and see a person become a New Testament Christian. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, you need to act upon that faith and be baptized for the remission of your sins. I want to encourage you to do that as we sing in just a moment. And I also want you to know that we have to live by faith. And if you've not been living by faith, you've been living by sight, you've been living by what you want to do, it's time for you to repent and come home. Would you come as together we stand and sing?